You're listening to America's Entrepreneur, the podcast designed to educate, entertain, and inspire you in your personal and professional journey. I'm your host, Aaron Spatz, and on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, industry experts, and other high achievers as they detail their personal and professional journeys in business. My goal is to glean their experiences into actionable insights that you can apply to your own journey. If you're new to the show, we've spoken with successful entrepreneurs, Grammy award-winning artists, best-selling authors, chief executives, and other fascinating minds with unique experiences. We've covered topics such as how to achieve breakthrough in business, growing startups, effective leadership techniques, and much more. If you strive for continual self-improvement and enjoy fascinating and insightful conversation, hit the subscribe button. You'll love it here at America's Entrepreneur. Welcome to America's Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Super excited to welcome Josh Emerson to the show. Josh comes to us from a Marine Corps background, so you know, fellow devil dog here that uh, that I've done some really really cool stuff in the world of business. Um, and he's most recently with his venture with Sons Bank, and it's a, it's a venture that he started. Uh, last year that focuses on helping people get into investing at a at, at a very affordable point. And so I know I'm going to be butchering that in my introduction with him here. So I'll let Josh do all the explaining. But Josh, thanks so much for making some time and for being on America's Entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure, Aaron. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, I mean, let's, let's dive through your journey. So um, fellow Marine Corps veteran, you jump out into the world of consulting. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, what was cool about Tracer Consulting is that it was a uh, it was what's called a business in a box. It's kind of like a, a franchise light, where uh, you know I paid kind of the fee to get training, uh, to get the setup, to understand how to find leads, all this stuff, and then they kind of let you go with um, a little bit of ongoing support, right? Um, so it was a nice step into the world of business ownership, where I wasn't 100% on my own, right? And get an MBA, um, no degrees in business, nothing like that. Um, so it was really useful to have that training. Um, and I was able to niche down on veterans who wanted to own businesses, right? So I was able to help, um, I think it was like 14, 15 different veterans start their own businesses in uh, a little less than two years. That's cool. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's that's great. Taking, taking an existing framework, running with it. So it's like you're in, and I've had, I've actually had several people, not several, I've had a couple of people on the show that, um, talk about the about the franchise option as an option of getting your entrepreneurial feet wet and i mean i've got mad respect for it because you you still have to execute right they it's like and it's true in consulting right you can give everybody the playbook you can tell them exactly what to do and how to do it but unless they do it there's nothing's going to happen nothing's going to change and so i think that's a really cool way of approaching it and it's a way of learning kind of like post-military of just I guess some of the ins and outs of business. I mean, like, how was that? It was, it was phenomenal. So uh, I really enjoyed one setting my own schedule and realizing how much discipline plays a role in success. Right. Um, Not necessarily whether I was a better salesperson or better, whatever than the other person. It was, it was I getting up and doing the right things every single day. Um, I think the Marine Corps set me up to, to be good at that. Um, And then also having the ability to call on people when I needed help. Yeah, that, that's important. And it's important, I think, for folks to realize that they're not alone in their journey. And a lot of the struggles people face is that that's the same struggles that other people face. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's cool that you 
recognize that. So take me then through into your decision and like the whole process of um, launching SoundsBank. Yeah. So while I was uh, working as a franchise consultant, I wanted to invest in real estate syndications and I couldn't because I wasn't accredited. Right. So for people who don't know, it's over a, a single show, I had made over $200,000 the last two years, an expectation to do it again, um, or have a million dollar plus net worth, uh, not including my primary residence. Right. So I didn't have that. Um, and I looked over and I had friends basically gambling on options on Robinhood, right? They had no idea what they were doing. And I was like, this is ridiculous that they can do that. And I can't invest in a syndication by a guy who's been managing real estate for 20 years. Um, and I was also starting to get really deep into blockchain technology. I took a course um, online uh, from a university in, I think, in Corsica, um, a really good course, and then just started using it myself and coming to understand it um, and really trying to focus on the technology side, not so much the crypto side um, and realize that this technology was going to allow uh, people to tokenize real assets, right? As long as you knew all the, the uh, regulations and everything. Um, and so I kind of put those two things together, right? Where I wanted my friend and family and other people who weren't accredited to be able to invest in small uh, pieces of larger, really lucrative kind of assets. Um, and blockchain was the right way to do it. Uh, so I met some, uh, I remember my co-founders who were repeat entrepreneurs, kind of explained the idea to them. Uh, they liked it. Um, they kind of started as consultants and then became full on co-founders. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the birth of, of Sons Bank. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool. And I think there's a lot of people are scratching their heads. So you're going to have to, without, going too crazy, but helping them understand, okay, how are you taking blockchain and how are you, how are you making that fit with real estate investing specifically? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So really you can just think of the blockchain as a advancement in uh, administrative work, right? Uh, it's just a ledger um, and that records everything. It can never be changed. Um, it's, it's, uh, transparent. Anyone can look at it. Uh, and once you write a program into it, it has to abide by those laws of what you wrote, right? Um, so what that does is, you know, that if someone says they're going to do something, you can trust they're going to do it because the code makes them do it and they can't change the code. Uh, so anytime we've seen advancements in administration of like managing shares administratively as like un- fun as this is to talk about, it's released like huge innovations in the real world, right? Whether it was um, shares uh, were invented and that's what allowed uh, the, the whole exploration from the Western Europe into the rest of the world, right? It was actually because they created like a kind of the first ever stock market. Um, and then venture capital with the joint liability company in the 1960s. And we've seen what's happened because of venture capital. Um, and now with this, it's tokenization. It's a new way of administratively managing shares, which is what's going to allow us to buy small pieces of big things and manage it really easily. That's really cool. Yeah. So how, so what does that mean to me if I am wanting to get into the investing game and I don't have as deep a pockets or the experience and I want to participate in this kind of like how you alluded to earlier with Robin hood, how I could, I could do that easily, but how does that, like, what does that do for me now? Yeah. So for you, you're not even going to know it's, it's blockchain, right? What's going to happen is apps like Sons Bank are going to pop up where it says, hey, you can invest in real estate for $100 or less, 
where you can invest in, you know, anything, natural gas. I think you're going to see venture capital. I think you're going to see, you're going to see everything pop up in the next year to five years. Uh, and anything that says you can invest in this big thing for a little amount of money, the back end's all blockchain, right? You don't have to worry about it because it's, it's just admin, right? Uh, and that's what it means for you is, is you're going to have access to every investment class there is uh, now uh, huge, huge, huge possibilities for the average person here. That's really cool. I mean, that, that really is going to change a lot. I mean, a lot of options for people because I mean, a lot of folks want to be able to fractionally invest in things. And so it's like opening that up as, uh, as an option. So, I mean, for you going, going into this, I, I, if I remember reading this correctly, you guys are in your second year. So, I mean, you're still, you're still a lot, you're learning, you're still growing. There's still um, no doubt. I mean, a lot of, um, a lot of lessons learned. So like what's been some of the biggest, what's been some of the biggest takeaways for you, like through, through this journey, through this process that you would share with another entrepreneur that's wanting to launch their own business? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's a big lesson that we've learned. So we're still building out the technology uh, and we're still working with uh, legal for all the, the compliance stuff. So I would say the biggest takeaway from that is if you were a entrepreneur getting started, build the simplest thing that needs the least amount of compliance and sell it uh, just to prove that you can do it <clears throat> and, and prove that there's demand. Right. Uh, we kind of went for, uh, you know, non-accredited investors, right. That's very important to me. Right. Like I kind of explained the story, yeah. um, but that's a much larger hurdle of compliance than for accredited investors. Okay. Uh, so for, for people uh, I would say always, you know, know what your vision is, know where you want to get, but, take the easiest path to get to revenue as quickly as possible. Um, and that'll help you with, you know, cash flow. It'll help you with raising money. It'll help you with uh, product market fit. It'll help with everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And well, and then I guess you're, you're going through all the headache of dealing with compliance with the SEC and making sure that that all is on the up and up or what, like whatever requirements they have on you to make sure you're doing whatever it is they want you to do. So like that, I mean, so it sounds like there's just a lot of legal stuff that you're navigating, but it's also buying you time to continue to build out the technology. Uh, but I guess your point was, you know, make the minimum product and get it out into the market, just drive it, the market responses to it, that way you already know kind of what the, what the response is to that, right? Yeah, exactly. The fastest you can get a response, and my response, I mean, um, whether someone will pay you or not pay you, right? The, the better it's going to be and, and the faster you can decide whether this is a good idea or, you know, we should focus more on this side of the business versus that side. Um, yeah. What luckily, just kind of going back to Sonsbank, what's nice for us is that there have been other people who have done the type of compliance that we want to do and they went through, like it was a really huge headache for them. So now we're just kind of like walking in their footsteps. Uh, so it's going to continue getting easier and I think it's going to continue getting cheaper. So the people coming after us, it's going to be even easier and cheaper for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that like that, I mean, that's so true too. It's like when, whenever something's new and it, it new idea, new concept, nobody knows what they're doing with it. You know, so you're bringing in all these different experts and people to help you, but you're like the, the first one that they've seen of this type. So it's just, it, it just it just increases the complexity and therefore increases the time involved, which means it's increasing the money spent. And then each iteration thereafter, then it, that loop is getting a little bit tighter, and so people are able to, you know. And then before you know, it, then you've got a million different companies trying to do the same thing. So then you're kind of in this 
you're in this foot race to get it out the door as quick as possible and establish dominance in the market, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's where real estate's interesting because it's so fragmented um, because each community is, is different that uh, it'll be interesting to see because right now you have people who are syndicate, you know, they do syndications, but you have like, you have probably thousands of them across the country and they're really good at one little thing, whether it's multifamily in Nashville in the East side or industrial in the, the upper, you know, the, the inland empire outside of Los Angeles. Um, and now that we have tokenization, you can make that almost global. You still need local experts. So it's going to be very interesting to see if we still have the ability for the market to sustain all these different people doing syndications, which is essentially tokenization, right? Uh, or if it's going to consolidate into just a few companies. Yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. Well, also, Josh, well, what else as we're, as we're kind of talking here, like, you know, what have been some of the other big, like, lessons learned? So, I mean, we've talked about getting, you know, getting something out to market as quick as possible, but like for you, so it, it sounds like you guys are raising money. Is that right for the company? Yes. Yeah, we are. So what, so what's that experience been like? There's, there's a lot of people that, and whatever you're comfortable or able to share, obviously, but I mean, there's a lot of people that are interested in like, what, what does that look like? How does that change the dynamic of, of a, of a young startup? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot that you have to do, uh, kind of preparing the, the cap table, preparing the, the actual legal documents. Are you registered in the right place? A lot of very like kind of mundane things that you just wouldn't know if you haven't done it before, right? So make sure you work with a, a lawyer. Don't just do like legal zoom because there's things you need to actually worry about. Uh, there's tons of uh, tools online that actually start off with free versions for new startups that you should use, right? Don't try and do anything manually. Um, develop good relationships. So even before, if you know you're going to raise at some point in the future, start building relationships. Um, and investors need deals as badly as, as people with deals need capital. So uh, investors will be happy to speak to you if you just reach out to them and, and you have a good idea and it's, it's well thought out. And just say, hey, I'm not raising right now. Um, you seem to like this space, right? Make sure you're reaching out to investors who are actually interested in what you're doing. Um, and you can look them up and see what they've invested in, in the past. You say, hey, I just want to talk to you about it. Um, and just keep them updated with what's going on. Um, so that way there's a relationship when you do want to raise. I think that's huge as well. Um, and uh, just be mindful of how you're going to use the capital, right? It's like you need to know exactly what you're going to use it for. Um, and don't be, don't raise too much, but also don't be overly optimistic, right? Like whatever you think is going to happen, it's probably going to take longer and, and be more expensive. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, I've talked to guys who are, raising um they raised their seed round it wasn't enough that you know they're not at a point where they can raise a series a so they had to raise like this bridge between the c and series a and it's the terms aren't very good um they're building you know they're kind of in a, in a rush because they, they need the capital yeah. um so yeah don't be overly optimistic when you trying to figure out how much you need to raise yeah and and i, th I think that's tough too and, and i'm thinking of that just from a real estate perspective but also just as you're building out the idea for a company and it's like it's i i mean like it's obvious right if you don't raise enough that okay you've got to go get more money but what about and i'm just curious if you have any opinion on this and if not it's okay but like just curious what happens if people like over raise you know you needed x amount of dollars you end up raising 50 percent more than what you thought you needed now you keep some of that maybe as a reserve but like 
what are you doing at that point? Are you returning capital to investors or like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, if you overraise, the biggest impact of overraising is that you gave up too much equity, right? But what that does is that allows you to put off your next round. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to raise this X amount of dollars and then I'm going to raise again in a year. Now, maybe you don't have to raise for 18 months and now you're, uh, your, your company is more valuable. And so the next round, you're going to have a higher valuation. Um, you're going to give up less capital that second round. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe you just use it to expand faster than you thought or to do sure. things, you know, that, that, that have come up that you realize now is a, is a great opportunity to do them. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. So maybe you're going ahead and doing the investments for the company that you didn't envision you're going to be able to do as quickly, you know, if, if it makes sense. Right. And so just kind of, I guess it really is you're accelerating your timeline um, in the, I guess in the best case scenario, right. Is like, I guess you're, you're looking to mature the company at a faster rate. And so I guess over raising kind of, I guess allows you to do that. But to your point, you've given up a little bit more of a company than you probably needed to at least at first. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And you need to make sure you're the right company to do it. Right. If you don't have the ability to return a hundred X of what you're raising, you're probably not right for, for venture capital. Right. Um, that doesn't mean you're not right for something else. Um, there might be friends and family that are okay with like, you're like, you know, you're pretty far along. You have a really good product market fit. You're like, Hey, if I can get 500 K I'll be able to grow and sell it for $5 million and I'll get you 10 X. Right. And that's great yeah. for, for most people. Um, you just have to know, you just have to make sure that you're like, you're this company is the right type of company for venture capital. Otherwise you're going to either need a bunch of no's or, um, you're just going to deal with a bunch of stress and headaches uh, <laughs> until the, you know, forever <laughs> or until the company is sold. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, these are some really, really great practical lessons learned. I mean, it's like business is all about relationships. I know like we talk about that on this show a lot. And I, mean, I think you made a phenomenal point. That's one of the, I think that's one of the takeaways. I mean, there's a lot of takeaways in this, in this really short episode that we're shooting right now, but the, the importance of building that relationship, even, even before the raise, you know, even before you know, you're going to raise going ahead and just getting out there and getting people to know kind of what you're doing. And then it also enables you to find the right kinds of partners. Um, that way, I mean, ideally you're able to kind of pick at, at some level of like who you're partnering with. And I mean, I think that's pretty important an important aspect if you can control that for sure. So absolutely, yeah, well, absolutely. well, Josh, how can people find you? What's, what, what's the, Best way for people to learn more about you and Sons Bank. Yeah, uh, Sons Bank, S A N S, Sons, right? It means without, so we're, we're without a bank. Uh, SonsBank.io is our website. You can go on there if you want a, uh, if you're interested in getting growth capital from us, right? We, we lend to cash flowing real estate. So if you got that and you want a loan from us, you can go in and just hit sign up for, uh, for a loan. If you're interested in downloading the app and investing in those loans, these are eight to 12% interest for loans um, with $100 uh, shares. So if you're interested in that, sign, hit sign up and hit I'm interested in the shares. If you're just interested in knowing more about the company, hit sign up and hit I'm interested uh, just with the newsletter, right? So, so definitely go and sign up on, on the website. Um, for me, my web or my email is uh, josh at sonsbank.io, right? So feel free to, to reach out to me. Um, if you're in the space, if you just have questions, if you're a, a veteran entrepreneur, um, I'd love to, to talk to you. I got so much help 
from uh, other veterans that it, I mean, it's crazy. I wouldn't be here today without, without the other veteran, without the veteran network, uh, especially, you know, shout out to the service Academy business mastermind, which is for all veterans, not just service Academy guys. So those, those guys are awesome. Um, and then my Twitter is at Josh Emerson. So it's super easy. Um, and then my LinkedIn is, is Josh Emerson. Um, I'm probably the only Josh Emerson with a red beard. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, awesome. uh, just reach out and, uh, and connect. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, Josh, thanks for thanks for running through this with us. Like here, real quick and to the point. I I, I like that. I think uh, that's some of the feedback we've been getting in episodes lately. Is like we loving the twenty to twenty five minute episode range. It's just perfect for people to like get like just a quick rundown of what's going on, what's working for you, your challenges, a little bit of a little bit of context. And so, really, really appreciate you taking time to be with me and to kind of lay all this out there for me. So, uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. I mean, best wishes to you and i for real we're probably going to have to link up uh, offline and and talk talk about some other opportunities so uh really really appreciate what you're doing man that sounds awesome i really appreciate being here aaron it's always great talking to other former uh officers you know marine corps officers so i'll give you a, a, a raw for that <laughs> raw brother thanks thanks for listening to america's entrepreneur If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or comment on your preferred social media platform. Share it out with friends, family, coworkers, others in your network. And of course, you can write me directly at Aaron at boldmedia.us. That's A-A-R-O-N at boldmedia.us. Until next time.